Hello and welcome back to the Littlest Petcast. I am your host James and today we are going over the episode Race Team Buttercream. And we begin in the morning and Roger asks what Blythe wants for breakfast. One of the options he suggests is tofu sausage, which again seems like one of those season four soft reboot things that they kind of do where they don't want to draw attention to eating meat, but this also draws attention to the now not eating of meat. And it just seems weirdly out of place unless it is just meant to be a less, you know, unhealthy option. A more healthy option, if you will. Blythe then says she's already dressed. Roger is confused and peeks in. And she's still in her pajamas, which, I mean, technically is dressed. But when you say it, it doesn't necessarily mean that. And also, the key thing is Blythe is on her phone. Roger asks again, and Blythe gives an answer that similarly conveys that she's not listening. Roger asks if she's listening, and Blythe gives a response indicating she's not. So Roger snaps his fingers between her and her screen, and Blythe asks what we're having for breakfast. Roger then acts like a boomer, probably for the first time in his life, and says, Uh, I bet you can't go 30 minutes without your phone. Also, it does seem like Roger is more of a Gen X kid than he is a honest-to-goodness boomer. Blaith says that uh, she can do it and throws it down on the bed. She gets a text, and then Roger antagonizes her, also probably for the first time in his life, about that text. As Blaith gets more and more texts, she sweats bullets and eventually jumps to her phone, and Roger says she lasted all of 19 seconds. So... Uh, it's breakfast now, after the theme song, and Blythe admits she might be a little too attached to her phone, but she then makes the case that it is everything she needs. Her texts, her calendar, her paste book, and her Insta spam. <laughs> uh, uh, paste book and Insta spam. I love it. Roger says that she doesn't need all of those things. I would argue the calendar is necessary, but, I mean, the rest of those, give or take, it, it depends on, like, your needs. It's, re like, the calendar is more necessary than everything else, but then, like, the texts, which, like, might need be needed to coordinate. It's, it's this whole thing where... Uh, life and technology have become so interwoven at this point, and I'm gonna get into I'm gonna get into this a little later. I'm just gonna finish this scene up first. So Blythe says she needs it to remind herself when Snitmates is on, and she doesn't want to miss that. And also, she puts her phone in her eggs to prove that they help her eat. So, tangent again, I guess the tofu sausage is more for being healthy than any moralistic reason. Because just going vegetarian seems like a weird half-step if you talk to animals and stuff. And can, like, you know, understand them. 
And even if you could, you you'd understand that like some animals just eat other animals or whatever. So there's no there's no real moralistic high ground that you can have or you would. It's it's this whole thing that I I don't know if I want to get into it exactly, but it it just seems like a weird half step to be morally vegetarian if if the reason you're doing so is because you can talk to animals. That, that's what I mean. So, Roger asks if it would be hard to go without her phone for a little while. Blythe says that last night she didn't use it for a whole eight hours. Roger hurts. you mean when you were asleep? So then Roger clarifies... That I'm not just talking about when you sleep. I was thinking more one week. Blythe jumps on the table in disbelief, but then comes down and says she can do it. Roger says that uh, if it seems too hard, he can hang on to it. Blythe then tackles him for it, then comes down again saying that by holding on to it, she can prove how much she doesn't need it. So there are two possible ways to look at this episode and let's uh, go go over them right now so the first perspective the one that's uh like clearer from the outset is like the boomer one of like those kids in their derned phones which feels very out of character for the show itself a lot of the show seems to embrace like youthful ideas and modern ideas and you know stuff like that and it's has this understanding of that like children have reasons to do the things they do and whether or not it agrees it at least understands it mostly there are some things that feel wonky but i mean it it is hard for you know adults to write children like exactly like there is a little bit of that like adult knowledge bleeding in at some point even to some of the you know thicker characters but that's just that's just like one of the things that comes with writing you're not gonna you're not going to like be accurate a hundred percent of the time so it also just seems weird coming from roger who seems very on board with a lot of stuff and like the stuff he's not on board with is fairly understandable like a lot of what he's not on board with seems dangerous or you know unwise or unhealthy i'll get into that a little bit so the argument could be made that, like, this gives Blythe another weakness because she's super capable in most situations and does a lot of stuff that a teenager probably couldn't pull off, like starting up a business, having a job that goes along with this business, rubbing elbows with a fashion mogul, setting up a charity event that, like, you know, happened, etc. But Blythe also already has a lot of weaknesses 
Two of which, uh, like Blythe's apparent phone addiction plays into. So one of Blythe's weaknesses is that she has a tendency to get over-invested in things. And, you know, that that can, uh, you know, come back to bite her at certain points. Where, like, she can get over-invested in something... And then, like, realize, like, something she missed. Like, I guess, I don't know, the example that's springing to mind right now is, uh, um, If the Shoe Fits, where, like, Blythe is so, like, you know, into seeing the soul patches that she doesn't realize before it's too late that the Biscuit Twins definitely wouldn't invite her to their birthday party. There's there's a lot of things like that throughout the series. But also, like, Blythe constantly being on her phone could be an indicator of Blythe's crippling loneliness issues. Because, like, I don't know, we, we've established she probably has them. And a phone handles those quite nicely where like anyone I would want to talk to is like the tap 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 of a screen away instead of you know walking downstairs to the landline or even like walking across the room to pick up a wireless phone on the like charger or whatever you know like and like even even like in those methods like either talking on them might be a bit more awkward than it is with like the little little cell phone that you have with you or like you know making plans and stuff uh and then there's also like the Endless activities that you can do on the phone. I know this sounds like a phone commercial, but it really is just the nature of reality at this point. And, you know, by maybe not understanding that, they're failing to understand why a character like Blythe would become addicted to her cell phone. Like, in an easier capacity than other children would. And, like, I don't know, if this is just, like, a cell phones equals bad message, I don't think the message is one that should have been written into the show in the first place. Which is why I'm going to look at a different perspective as well. So the idea behind this other perspective is Project Cyclops. Project Cyclops is an experiment performed by CGP Grey that has been documented on the Hello Internet podcast where he cuts himself off from uh, his social media, not, not his phone or the internet, just social media and other social media related things for what ended up being a year. He did this to reevaluate his relationship 
with social media because he felt like he kept getting distracted from his work. So, Blythe does seem to have an unnatural attachment to her phone, and some time for reevaluation could be healthy, especially for someone like Blythe. And even in the scene, Roger acts more concerned about how much time she's been spending on her phone rather than, like, grumpy about having a phone in general. Because, remember, this is the same guy who was playing around on his phone during a work meeting and came up with an idea that landed him probably a promotion, at least. And, you know, the airline he works for, a ton of coinage. So... Like, it it wouldn't make sense for Roger to think cell phones are completely bad. It's just, I guess it's, like, too much of a cell phone is a bad thing, and that's what he's worried about. But, I mean, in that sense, it makes sense for Roger to do that, sort of, because, like, Okay, well, while boomers might think the problem begins and ends with a cell phone, Roger isn't the brightest bulb in the bunch. So he might think that that's the only problem and not realize that there might be something more to it than that. Like, he loves Blythe. Let's Let's not conflate that. By any stretch of the imagination. He, he loves her. He wants what's best for her. And he does things for her. That most parents might not be willing to do. Like take her to Brazil. Or take her to a mountain. Or even like spend some time with her at school. Like even if he doesn't understand... Like, Blythe, he still loves her. And if the point of the episode is that we're supposed to agree with Roger that Gurr phones, like, and that's what they think, and that's what the writers think all teens are like without their phones, they can take their sour grapes and give them to someone who hasn't washed their feet in a year to make wine with it to drink while they're complaining. But... Either way, let's move on. So, meanwhile, Russell sees Vinny and Sunil about to leave through the tubes and asks them where they're going. They reply that they're going to the bunny races. Russell is confused. Um, Sunil and Vinny explain that it's held in the downtown city underground and home to some of the fastest rabbits. Russell is still confused. Sunil says that he's rooting for Speedy Nibbler, who has a good Tokyo Drift, which he tries to demonstrate but crashes into a wall. And I looked it up. Tokyo Drift really only comes from Fast and Furious. So I guess we can't say Facebook, but we can say Tokyo Drift. Like, what? what's next? Like... 
uh, Fate of the Furious. I guess. I don't know. Vinny says that uh, Speedy Nibblers all flash, and he puts his money on Fluffy Lightning to win, who's a uh, hopping and hopper, as he puts it. He also tries to hop like her and also crashes into a wall. Russell is in disbelief that rabbits can move fast at all, and Vinny and Sunil says that they are fast, and Russell doesn't believe it. Vinny tries to explain, but then Buttercream shows up, asking Vinny what he knows about bunnies and rabbits and their cottontail habits, which again leads to that uh, like weird character trait of Buttercream's, where uh, her eyes like you know go out, uh, her uh, ears spin up, and she has to um, thump her feet. It's been a while since that has happened, though, so. That's why I'm explaining it. It's also been a while since we've seen Buttercream. I don't I don't think we've seen her at all this season. Uh, I can double check that quick, but uh, let's continue. Uh, so Vinny says that Buttercream is the type of rabbit to not appear in a, you know, bunny race. But then Buttercream says, I'm going to the bunny race? Sweet! So Sunil and Vinny explain that this is kind of guy time for them, and it seems to work at first, but she insists on going along anyway, and Vinny and Sunil kind of give up and head in as well. So then Blythe comes down and sits down, and Russell attempts to tell Blythe about the bunny races, but then she blurts out 11 minutes and 18 seconds. She explains that that is how long she's been without her phone, Russell is curious, but Blythe asks him not to remind her. She's trying not to think about it, but then gives this like ludicrous number on how much time she has left, and then says, but who's counting, and laughs nervously. Now, this might be a good case for the Project Cyclops mentality to look at this uh, episode through, if the intention of this scene is not all kids are like this. That is the That is the basic dichotomy between trying to figure out how to look at this episode if it's an introspection on like Blythe's personal relationship with her cell phone then Project Cyclops if it's a commentary on all children are like this then it's boomerism and it's that thing anyway I did look it up uh she actually did appear earlier this season in Littlest Pet Shop of Horrors but I did forget because it's such a minute part of the episode but either way, it's been a while. So at the bunny races, everyone is getting excited as the announcer, Weasel Whiskers, announces and provides his own echoes, which is never not funny to some extent. <laughs> it's it's the basic understanding that like uh like a big, you know, event has an echo to it. <laughs> and I love it all the same. He introduces the four rabbits who will be competing. The two we've already mentioned, Fluffy Lightning and uh, Speedy Nibbler, as well as Quixty O'Hare and the Furry Fury. He announces the prize as a bouquet of carrots, and the races get in some pre-competition jams. Vinny's excited about the whole trash talk, but Buttercream focuses on how cute everyone is, which kind of brings Sunil and Vinny down. As Weasel Whiskers rings the bell to start the race, the ringing of said bell 
causes something to happen in Buttercream where she just kind of changes into a uh, racer, a bunny racer. So she goes for it in the fifth lane that was previously empty, which is weird. Did somebody call in sick? If there are... It it just seems weirdly convenient that there are five lanes, but only four racers that day. It's it's weird. Like, I honestly think it would be funnier if like Buttercream like outraced one of the rabbits within one of the two. <laughs> so anyway, so Buttercream goes through the course and meets the. Furry Fury, where she introduces herself as Flash McCarrots, the fastest bunny around. She pulls ahead and keeps going. So the lanes are tubes, which are kind of like the hamster tubes in the sense that gravity can kind of be defied. So this plays out like a Mario Kart track or a Sonic level. There are like two loop-de-loops in a row an honest-to-goodness jump, and they even go through a waterfall at some point. Like, like the waterfall is around the tube, so they don't, they don't actually get wet. So that's how they avoid that. But there, there's, there's a jump. There, there is a literal jump where you have to jump out one tube and go into another tube. And that is... That's a little hardcore. So Sunil and Vinny are in awe, and Flash keeps outracing the other racers. She catches up with Fluffy Lightning, and it's neck and neck for the rest of the race until it ends in a proclaimed tie. They both try to grab the bouquet and get hyper-competitive about who actually won the race. So Weasel Whiskers comes in, splits them up, tells them to settle down, and he asks about Flash, who then introduces herself again to Weasel Whiskers. Uh, Vinny and Sunil come down and congratulate Buttercream, and Weasel Whiskers asks if they're her manager. He tells them to get her a costume and come back in an hour for a tie-breaker race. Fluffy and Flash get into it again. Meanwhile, Blythe is in her room, complaining about not using her phone, and she doesn't know what to do with herself. She thinks to call a young me, but that would mean using her phone. She could play a game, but they're all on her phone. She wonders what time it is, but she usually does that with her phone. She agrees with her dad that maybe she's a little too reliant on the phone and having it close by is a bit troublesome, although all of those problems could be circumnavigated with a computer which is also in her room. This oversight kind of makes me think the Gurr phone's perspective of boomers might be the right one to view this from because like like phones are basically computers that reside in your pocket at this point you can do a lot with phones and i would argue having a phone is a necessity not a luxury item <laughs> Like, multiple phones belonging to the same person, like, without good reason, might be a luxury item, but it's it's hard to say that. So, like, but essentially, like, 
all of that could be done with a computer, which she has and uses regularly. We've seen her using it. It's not something that she can't use. It's just, it's just weird. And that's why, like, if it is Gur phones, it just doesn't mix with the show. Because, like, the show, like, embraces technology for the most part. So then she goes downstairs to give the phone to Russell and tells him not to give it back under any circumstances. Russell agrees and tries to take the phone, but Blythe has a hard time letting go. She laments giving up her phone, but she has to do what she must and says, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. And when she lets go, Russell is still tugging on it, which causes him to fly about. And when he stops, he says, the only person is hurt so far is me, which is a delightful little line. So Flash comes back to the pet shop and starts running around, and Russell asks what happened, and Vinny and Sunil explain the thing that happened at the race. They also state they don't know why it happened. So Russell wants to figure out how to get her back, but Vinny and Sunil want her to stay like this for the race coming up in less than an hour. They also tell them that they need a costume, and get the girl pets to help. So they give her a cupcake-like helmet, and Flash asks if she looks tough. Vinny says that they should have gotten Blythe, but Sunil says that they didn't have time, so they assure her that she looks good and head back to the races. Russell says that uh, it's a shame that they can't record it to see how it went. Vinny then points out that they can with Blythe's phone. (laughs) So... I just wanted to point out, the last time the pets took Blythe's phone, it was to reenact uh, an event where a, a truck went barreling through the city out of control. <laughs> so so that there's not a good track record here. Russell objects, rightfully so, saying that she trusted me with it, and keep it not to give it to her. Vinny says that if they're using it, Blythe can't use it, which Russell agrees with. So he hands it off anyway and asks them to be careful, and Vinny says, relax. <laughs> so they arrive at the race, and Fluffy and Flash are getting into it again, and Vinny and Sunil split them up, but not before letting go of Blythe's phone. So they lead them to the starting line, and the race is set to begin. Some trash talk happens, but when the bell dings again, Flash is back to buttercream and now slowly moving about the track, uh, wondering things like, why do they call them tubes when there's clearly threes, forbs, and fives? Which is, which is a delightful little thing she's wondering about. And she also goes backwards through the track at one point. And Vinny and Sunil are in complete disarray. While Fluffy completes the track. So they ask Buttercream what happened when she hops over to them. And Buttercream says she doesn't know. And that the last thing she remembers is the ding of the bell. Sunil realizes that that bell causes her to change so i guess now is as good a time as any to talk about the bell change thing 
So as you know, a while ago, I received a message from an Aunt Christie RP account on Twitter saying that she was the freaking Queen of Darkness. So this is one of the reasons why I steered into it rather than ignore it, because it explains it. It explains this. This episode does not explain why this happens. It's just a thing that happens. But if Aunt Christie were the queen of freaking darkness who can manipulate space and time and grab buttercream out of a pocket dimension that she kind of needs adjusting from, it would also make sense that buttercream would have another personality hidden inside her from a different world and that she's like caught in the middle of like a little pocket dimension that gets freed by the sound of a bell that that is an explanation where this episode doesn't have one so i'm going to i'm going to take that explanation and draw my logical conclusion from it because this is all very logical as we all know so anyway fluffy wins and weasel whiskers gives her Blythe's phone. Vinny and Sunil are distraught, and Sunil says, I hope Blythe has unlimited minutes. <laughs> so, later that day still, this is a weird timeline of events. Blythe and Roger are sitting down for a nice glass of lemonade, and Blythe thanks Roger for helping her to let go of the need for her phone so much. And then young me barges in asking about Blythe and that she was texting her. Blythe explains that she has given up the need for a phone. This whole scene is like the saccharine sweet imagery and has like a bunch of floaty dialogue. And it's weird. It's weird it makes like this scene in particular makes me think girl phones is the intention it's like this whole like norman rockwell painting of an idyllic uh you know interaction between father and daughter but it's also weirdly absurd and not the kind this show revels in it almost feels a bit cult-like. However, this whole facade gets broken when Young Me says that Josh Sharp asked her for Blythe's phone number, which Blythe then panics and goes to get it back. She asks for it from Russell, who believes this to be a test. It's charming, and remember, this is somebody's first glimpse at this joke. So he informs her that Vinny and Sunil have it to record Buttercream at the races. And it just so happens they return. I Okay, see, here's the thing. Here's the thing I don't get about it. How does, like, Blythe go from uh, desperate to Norman Rockwell holier than thou in the matter of an hour? I guess, uh, you know, Terriers and Tiaras has a point, but don't give Terriers and Tiaras a point. I hate that. 
Where, like, I don't know, Blythe, Blythe doesn't seem the type to, like, be easily manipulated or fall into... Well, okay. I mean, there's also room enough where she got, like, distracted by the teen magazine. I don't know, it's... I guess Blythe, like... I guess if Blythe is eager enough to do something, she'll, like, go with it to an extent that, like, most people wouldn't. But it's just weird. I don't know what happened. But I I guess, like, this this also just falls under, like, Blythe's over-enthusiasm. It's just, I don't know, it's it's not, I don't find it particularly enjoyable in some circumstances, whereas others, it's perfectly fine. That's, uh, that's the whole balance of this whole thing, I guess, of the show, I should say. Vinny and Sunil return, and Russell says, Blythe wants her phone, but don't give it to her because it's a test, but Blythe insists, no, it's not, I really need it. So... Vinny and Sunil said they couldn't anyway because they lost it. Blythe is frustrated. They apologize. Blythe really wants the phone. Sunil thinks that they could win it back and head out. They return to the race grounds to see Fluffy working out. Fluffy gloats, but Sunil and Vinny's shared brain cells seem to be working well this time because in order to get a rematch going, they claim they told Flash to lose on purpose because they were so... They noticed how upset Fluffy was at losing the first time but Fluffy takes the bait and demands a rematch to be crowned the best racer of this course. Vinny asks that if Flash wins we get the phone trophy and she agrees. So Weasel Whiskers announces the re-rematch and then tests the bells several times causing Buttercream to switch over multiple times. When the race begins, the ding that sets off the race also sets her to buttercream. Uh, Vinny then comes in and dings the bell, and then Weasel Whisker says, I'm the only one who gets to ring my bell, so I'm ringing again. <laughs> and then uh, they keep arguing over it, and Sunil eventually joins in. Meanwhile, buttercream keeps switching from Buttercream and Flash, and Flash like races far ahead, and then Buttercream just stops and uh, looks at the little wonders of the you know, whole system. And meanwhile, the bell dinging uh, gets to the point where it becomes like a cloud of, you know, uh, mishmash. And at that point, Flash is, like, very far ahead. But uh, once the dust cloud settles, the bell flies out of their hands, dings one final time before breaking, and she's now buttercream. So Fluffy, noticing this, is psyched to win, while Vinny and Sunil encourage buttercream to make her way to the finish line because she's, like, like about a foot left whereas like fluffy is like behind by a good while 
So they ask her to do it for Blythe, and Buttercream agrees because Blythe is just so swell. But uh, Buttercream is tired, so uh, she makes her way a little bit slowly to it while Fluffy races on. Buttercream then passes out, but her ears touch the line, giving her the win and giving them the phone. So Blythe thanks Buttercream for getting her phone back. And uh, Buttercream thanks Flash, who is apparently a very good racer. So the phone call from Josh comes in, and Blythe gets anxious about it. Vinny, Sunil, and Buttercream yell at her to answer it, and she does. And when she does, she settles down and, you know, just talks. When she's done, she agrees with her dad that maybe she got a little too attached to her phone and is a bit disappointed with the message. Josh just wanted to know about the pet wellness center at the vet's office. She informs them that Josh has a pet rabbit named Fluffy Lightning and asks, isn't that cute? And Buttercream says, if by cute you mean not very cute at all, then yes, ending the episode. So, Blythe's little ending bit about being so anxious despite the phone call being practically nothing at the end of it, making her realize she might be a bit too dependent on it, is a very Project Cyclops lens to look at this through, and a good evaluation only comes once the project comes to an end. Like, you can evaluate yourself, like, during, but, I don't know, to get a good picture, I think I think you need to see it through to the end. Like, the early aloof scene, the, the Norman Rockwell scene, is a false indicator of how things are going because she snaps back into anxiety the second something important to her comes up. But when she gets it back, she's, like, completely calm whether or not she has her phone, which might be a better indicator of how Blythe's own personal Project Cyclops is going. And whether or not, like, she wants to uh, be as dependent on her phone or find some other outlet she can, you know do this with which roger just just take her to therapy she needs it but still whether or not this episode can be viewed through the lens of project cyclops that bit of subtlety was lost on me the first time i watched this episode because the gur phones message of boomers just shines through and is easier to spot because like Especially for children who, like, who who listen to that anyway and hear it a lot. Like, if they go to their, like, aunt's and uncle's house or even from their parents where it's like, oh, you're spending too much time on your phone. And, like, that, uh, like, angle, like, is, like, easier to spot because they know it so well. Like, I only, like, tried to give them the benefit of the doubt in this episode because I listened to Hello Internet and, uh, you know, heard the documentation of Project Cyclops. 
Without that, I wouldn't be as willing to give them the benefit of the doubt that they're just doing a character introspection about how one particular character uh, interacts with their cell phone and how they use it. An angle that might not even be there, because Gur phones just might be the whole point of the episode. But uh, before I end, I do want to like point out the last bit where Fluffy Lightning's Josh's Rabbit is a nice little like <laughs> it's a nice little joke when you think about it. Because, like, the problem could also be solved by doing nothing at all. Where, like, Fluffy could take the phone, and then Josh could call or text her, and then uh, see that Fluffy has it, and it's like, Yo, Fluffy, what do you have Blythe's phone? <laughs> and then give it back to Blythe. <laughs> I think that's a little bit of funny. And it also seems like a really late shot to be lining up. Where, like, Josh also has a pet, and they've kind of established this pet. And, gee, wouldn't it be great if Blythe could, you know, hang out with Josh more and get a chance to talk to this pet? It's... It's very... Interesting. And it's a good shot they have lined up. It's just that there's only, like... One, two, three, four, five, six, six or seven, depending on how you want to look at the two-parter. Episodes left in the entire series, although I don't know how far into writing or production they were when they got the news that there wouldn't be a fifth. So, that will do it for this episode of The Littlest Petcast. Be sure to leave your comments and reviews on... Shout Engine on Apple Podcasts, on the Google Podcast Store, which I got emails about. Because I, I don't really check that, but please do. Please do, because any, anything you use is great. And wherever else RSS feeds go, when they hear a bell ding and become a fast racer. And be sure to tune in for the next episode on the same Page, I shall see you then. Get out and win the race. Just win the race. Just win, just win, just win the race. I don't care what it takes. Just find a way to win the race. Win the race. Just win the race. Just win, just win, just win the race. I don't care what it takes, just find a way to make me happy!